Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Obsession Podcast. This week, Chris, we talk a shit ton about movies. And I mean a lot. Yeah. So if you aren't into movies, well, I'm sorry because you're going to get a lot of it. We talk about why we miss the theater, which I think we've talked about before. But you know what? Who cares? We're doing it again. And deep dive we time. talk about some of the movies that I've seen going into Oscar time. And just some general thoughts about why we hate Transformers. Um, the movies, the movies specifically. So, yeah, here we go. Chris, as I've told you, I've been watching a bunch of movies trying to get caught up for the Oscars. And yeah, I'm proud of you. <laughs> and as I've been watching some of them, um, it really got me thinking about the different, how different an experience it has been this last year to watch a lot of these uh, Oscar-level movies at home rather than the theater experience. And the, the movie, strangely enough, I, 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 one of them that was not a good, as good of an experience at home was Godzilla vs. Kong for all the obvious reasons. But the first one that I was watching that really got me got me thinking on that was Mank, surprisingly enough, which... Yeah, I'm interested in your thought process because you, you brought this up after watching Mank, and, and I'm curious what about Mank had you thinking about a theater experience. So, it's not what you would normally think because the type of movie that Mank is is kind of, I don't think, would be um, brought up a level by watching it in a theater. Uh, it was the fact that there were a lot of parts of Mank that uh, bored the shit out of me. And so I was just <laughs> on my phone, not necessarily paying attention. But then, like, halfway through the movie, I realized I don't really know what the first, like, 20 to 30 minutes of this movie were about. Because none of it made sense. But that was mostly because I wasn't really paying attention to it. Because the intro scene or scenes didn't really like, have that gripping effect on me to go, okay, I'm locked in put the phone down kind of thing. And so it, it, that's what spurred it on. I was like, wow, watching when I'm at home watching a movie and it's just me, I'm not like locked in like I would be at a theater of like, this might be boring, but I got nothing else to do. I'm not going to whip my phone out in a theater. I'm not a monster. So, you know, so that is what brought it up, which is, I feel like not a, traditional line of thinking on how to how to get to that point <laughs> yeah uh, i mean i to i totally agree though um i will say a caveat to that is normally when i go to the movies it's during the day at like two in the afternoon so i'm one of like four people in the theater and if the movie is kind of slow i do pull out my phone <gasps> um i i would never do so in a full theater on like a premiere night in the middle of Avengers because I'm not a piece of shit. <laughs> but, you know, if I'm like the only person there and the only other person is 10 seats away from me, then I don't think I'm bothering anyone by doing so. Plus, I, I'm not a boomer and my phone isn't on full blast brightness. <laughs> yeah, I say that mine, mine, uh, mine's not. But though I'll check my, my phone experience in a movie is whenever I'm looking at my phone, it's not a good sign because I'm going, okay, what time is it? How long was this movie? How much longer do I have to sit here? Ah, uh, but I never like scroll through Twitter or anything like that. I I have enough decency to at least wait 
it's just funny because I've watched some where they'll be boring, more boring to me, or have boring parts, and it's just like, God, I checked my phone like ten times during that movie. Jesus. Yeah, but but you are right. It's it's kind of the same philosophy of uh having your workspace separated from your leisure space, where when you're at home, there's a lot more to distract you. Um, like if I'm watching a movie in my living room then like the bathroom is, you know, 20 feet away. The kitchen is right there. I can get up and make a snack, get a drink. I might not bother to pause the movie because I can still hear the movie. And it, yeah, it's just a different experience. And the, the blockbuster certainly is where I think most of the luster is lost, especially in a situation like mine where I live in an apartment and I have neighbors. You know, I have, you know, a decent sound system that I want to use for a movie like Kong versus Godzilla, but I could never turn it up to the level that a theater could and feel the rumble of a Godzilla roar. And so that that's that's a damn shame that I wasn't able to catch that in theaters. Oh, I I completely agree. The the couple times in that where it was just Kong and Godzilla just screaming at each other. I'm like, "Yeah, I miss the like full-on Dolby sound system just like blaring their screeches cuz I I I've, you know, I've experienced it before and you're like, "Oh, damn, that's awesome." But at home, it's just like, eh, it's loud. And <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You're just kind of left going, yeah, I wish I was in a theater for this. Especially some of the, the, the later, the last like 20 minutes of that movie. We were like, yeah, this is where it would have been really nice to be in a theater. Yeah, and sometimes I wonder where the trade off is on my, my home theater setup, where is it better to have a big screen and immersive room sound? Or should I just sit at my computer with my nicer headphones and listen to it there, you know? Oh, I would almost always go bigger TV and nicer, like, sound system to get the, like, full... Well, I, I, I will always prefer that to headsets. I'm not the create, biggest fan of just watching and listening to stuff through a headset and my computer screen, as is evident of you trying to get me to um, use alternative methods to uh watch both Minari and the father um <laughs> as I'm like I got to do it on my TV and you're like why I'm like because it's how I watch movies <laughs> No 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 I'm just saying there are other ways to watch it on your TV without having to use an Apple TV True but I just bought it so I feel like I need to use it as much as possible to warrant the purchase All right quick aside uh so so I'm also trying to grind through the Oscar movies um, and, and granted, it's not nominated for Best Picture, but I did watch Ma Rainey's Black Bottom last night. <gasps> Me too! And uh, the, the Father has, like, the most aggressively boring title, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it does. Like, everything else on the nominee list, I'm like, yeah, okay, I could, I could see where this, this catches me in some way. But The Father is so fucking, like, whatever, man. I don't even know what that movie's about, and I... I I am not excited to watch The Father. I'm pretty sure it's about Anthony Hopkins having dementia. Like, okay. It's I think like I'm sure it's gonna it. be a. I'm I'm pretty sure it's gonna be a good movie. I'm happy I mean, that it's only uh, an hour and thirty seven minutes. That's what I loved about Ma Rainey last night. I was like, oh, this is only an hour and a half. Now, granted, that was based off of a play, but I was just like, fuck yeah, dude. Sometimes. There's nothing better than a good movie that's only an hour and a little over an hour and a half. Love it. 
I'm in. I'm out. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes most out most movies that are two hours or more than two hours are like however many minutes over two hours long, too long. Like <laughs> you got a two hour and twenty minute movie, it would have been fine at two hours. You got a two hour movie, would have probably been better at like an hour for an hour forty five. That's not always, always the case, but there's a lot of times where I'm like, you could have cut some shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm always significantly more excited for a horror movie when I see that it's only an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I, I feel like the horror style doesn't often lend itself well to longer form stuff. And so if it's an hour and a half, that's like, okay, you have met the bare requirement runtime of being a movie. So you get in, get out, do your thing, and you're you're unoffensive about it. Exactly. There's a reason why almost all kid movies hover around that hour and a half range. It's because... Man, some kids' movies dip down to 80 minutes. And you know what? Like the original Toy Story. original Toy Story is only like 80-something min- minutes. And you know what? Was it really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I only know that because recently I was listening to um, the big picture... Or no, the rewatchables from uh, The Ringer, and they did Toy Story. And they're like, yeah, it's only like 80-something minutes. And they're like, damn. It went by That's fast. That's crazy. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, it, it's amazing how, like I said, with the two-hour thing like when you when you're so used to consuming certain types of movies in specific time chunks when you cut it a little bit shorter you're like oh my god that was so quick and i usually always enjoy it yeah and i you know bringing bringing back to the theater experience conversation i'm i'm wondering you know before i wasn't allowed to go to the theater uh, part of the problem with going to the movies was having to dedicate the chunk of time to be there. Yeah. You know, not exactly. only the movie's runtime, but the time to drive there if you want to catch the trailers, uh, the time to drive back, uh, let alone how much money you want to spend at concessions or for the ticket itself, depending. And it's it's just such a commitment. But as vaccinations roll out and as theaters start to reopen, rest in peace, Arclight, I I want to find that time again because I desperately miss being able to be in a theater. What's the first movie we're going to go see? Uh, That's a good question. I mean, we'll both be fully inoculated at least by the end of May. Yeah, I'm, I'm mid-May and I'll be fully vaccinated. Without knowing the release schedule off the top of my head, I feel like the first movie we're going to see together is going to be some Fathom Events anime movie. Hell yeah. Well... <laughs> I don't know what would be on the docket because I'm not going to see Mugen Train. I'm just not. I don't care enough (laughs) to spend money to go see that. And I don't actually. You know what? No, the first movie we're going to see is probably Black Widow. Uh, Is it? Because I don't really care to see that in theaters. Going to be honest. All right, Shang Chi then. I probably okay. I probably go see that one. We'll have to see that. I saw the trailer. Did that trailer come out today? Uh, did it? I woke up like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, there's a Shang-Chi trailer out, and I think it came out Shit, okay. today, and I was like, okay, I'm, All right, I'm I'll interested. Check that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we need to figure that out, because, oh, I long for it, so, to just be able to go back. Mostly because- I'm essentially counting down the days until I can reactivate my AMC A-list. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, but mostly because I want to go back so that I can actually, you know, see movies, which I guess I could have seen Minari when it was first out because it was like one of the last movies that came out before uh, everything shut down from COVID. But 
it goes to part of the problem I have of I I get like when Disney puts out a movie, um, the way they're doing it on Disney Plus is it's like is it still thirty dollars to watch it within X amount of time of it quote releasing? Yeah. Why the hell is Minari and the Father twenty dollars to rent on Amazon? Minari came out over a year ago. I I just I can't I can't comprehend that aspect of why it's so goddamn expensive to watch it. Well, yeah, surely it's because they're milking the Oscar hype. But then, yeah, well, what other movie? There was another Oscar-nominated movie that I looked up on there that, yeah, it was, oh, I think it was Promising Promising Young Woman. I think it was like, um, what is it? Uh, it was only like six bucks hmm. on there. I'm like, what? Well, they came out like the same time. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think you're right. They're probably just milking it, but it's like, for fuck's sake, come on. Yeah, no, it's it's not great. Especially, you know, we, we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but the pricing oftentimes, I feel like, especially with Disney, is determinant based on uh the price of a family to go see the movie. Yeah. Where if you consider the nuclear family of four, uh, ticket-wise, you're looking at around $40 for the whole family to get in. Like, 12 each for mom and either other mom slash dad, you, you know, whatever your family looks like, uh, and then like $8 for the kids. So so if you if you consider that for a family, being able to rent Raya and the Last Dragon is actually a deal at $10 cheaper, but then guys like us that, you know, we go to the movies alone or with a friend who pays for their own ticket, uh, or you have AMC A-list, and after the second movie, you're essentially going for free. Uh, then it's hard to justify a 30 or even $20 price for a single movie. So we're kind of left in the crossfire to suffer there. You know, yeah, 100%. I just looked up what has, what is listed as the official release date. Okay, never mind, there's that one. For The Father. Okay, yeah, both these... Both of these goddamn... Okay, that's it, Sundance. The Father released... Okay, they both have the Sundance releases. Okay, I don't understand then. Because it has the Sundance release... At J- like, both of them were released... Were at Sundance last year, in January of 2020. Um, But the like the release date on... If you just Google it, for both of them says February of this year. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Minari was in theaters before the pandemic. I know, because I saw trailers for it and almost went to go see it over at the Keystone Arts Theater. I think we're being bamboozled hard. Because, like, if, <laughs> if if the father had come out in, like, November, okay, you're still charging 20 bucks. Fuck you, Amazon, but I get it. Okay, I could be made to get that. But, like, a movie that came out over a year ago still being $20 to rent for one watch is absurd. Yeah, yeah, for renting, that's ridiculous. If it was purchasing, I I could still see that. that yeah. That'd be fine to me. No, no, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the rent is pretty bullshit. I don't, I don't know if I didn't make that clear. This is, yeah, the $20 is to just rent to watch it, I, like, once. Like, that's insane. I don't know. We got off topic a little bit. <laughs> uh, But, you know, you, you sent me an interesting graphic uh, early this morning that uh, goes right in with the loss of the theater experience, where over the course of the pandemic, we had 
Uh, when when did HBO Max launch? Oh, um, hold on. Uh, well, you look that up. You know, we we've had a surge in the amount of streaming subscribers. Um, so much so that, uh, you know, a little while ago, Disney had their investor call meeting where they were talking about how they have greatly exceeded their subscriber expectations, and it has caused Disney as a company to pivot to a direct-to-consumer-first marketing strategy, which goes into uh, having streaming-exclusive series uh, like Falcon and Winter Soldier, The Mandalorian, WandaVision, uh, for their biggest properties like Star Wars and Marvel. Um, and we've seen Paramount Plus launch with uh, mixed success, I would say. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I think it's still too early to properly gauge how well they're doing. Yeah. And whether or not HBO Max launched in the middle of the pandemic or not, um, they have had a fantastic launch. And with uh, great original programming themselves, as well as, you know, it's HBO. They have a fantastic back catalog that can't exactly rival Disney. But as far as the TV space go goes, HBO are the guys. Yeah, it, um, it was so uh, it was May of end of May 2020. Was it official? Okay, so it would have been right at the start. Yeah, a little bit in. So we have seen the landscape of the streaming market shift only in the last year. And you could assume that's because of the pandemic, um, not being able to go to theaters, needing a way to entertain yourselves, and that led to what we have now of movies releasing on streaming services as opposed to going to theaters. So the graphic you showed, essentially my takeaway was that uh, HBO has successfully carved out their own little section of the market, um, bringing down Netflix's dominance just a little bit. And uh, even Disney coming down, you know, not a lot, but uh, their their growth as far as uh, their coverage of the market went down slightly because HBO has been so successful. And I think that's interesting. I think another big interesting thing on that is in this graphic, there's the one at the end is just other streaming services that have over like it went, jumped from 13 to 15%. And I I just I don't know. I mean, does like Crunchyroll fall under that? Other streaming services, you know, like I what all? I don't really know other than like anime specific streaming services. What other streaming apps are out there? To Peacock. But Peacock's listed on there as one. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, fucking Crackle. Maybe. That's just I'm, I'm, that's interesting. I do think one of the big reasons for that significant jump for HBO is they finally figured out that everyone who had HBO, a regular HBO subscription, got HBO Max and was started streaming stuff instead of watching it through their cable plan. Like I was like, that's what the thing for my parents. My parents had HBO but would just watch the movies that were on the HBO channels they had through their cable package. Um, they since moved off of their cable plan to YouTube TV, which doesn't defaultly come with HBO, but they got they just got HBO Max instead. So now that's all that time my mom spent just ha- watching a movie on HBO is now streaming hours on HBO Max. 
Yeah, and that's an important thing to consider as well. Uh, much like Wii Sports being packaged with the Wii kind of skews its sales numbers, HBO has had an aggressive campaign of packaging HBO Max with a bunch of stuff. Like, I think um, AT&T service being packaged with so many months or a year of HBO Max is very widespread, and a lot of people get the HBO Max sample because of that. And they, you know, I would say they would likely stick around because, again, HBO Max just has a fantastic catalog, and they, I, I would say HBO rightly deserves the bit that it's carved out in the market. Uh, but it's hard to say how much of that is original subscribers with the intent of, yes, I want HBO Max, or was it a package deal with something else? Yeah, exactly. I think that's interesting. But going off of that, I think it's interesting to see a a decline in Hulu and Disney Plus when those that you can package those together through. I think still through Disney's thing, where you get uh, Hulu, Disney Plus, and uh, ESPN Plus all for like twelve dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So technically, you would think by that it would put it in more homes for people to watch, but. The overall, and I'm I'm curious what I don't know if on this it says specifically what uh they're deeming market share to be. Is it hours watched or is it? I'm assuming it's hours watched because I, I Netflix didn't hasn't dropped in subscribers. You know, I, I'm pretty sure they're staying steady, if not still slowly increasing. Yeah, and that, that that is an important thing to note about this graphic is it it does not take into account specific subscriber count. Um, just rather, I, I would assume it is a portion of subscribers where like if you add all the subscribers up, this is the percentage of the market each one owns. Uh, that That's entirely a guess. I don't actually know. Um, but even though Disney drops a percent, that surely does not mean that they lost subscribers because these things are only going up again because of the pandemic and being at home they're only gaining subscribers nobody is losing in this situation unless you're um wasn't there one that shut down oh i I don't remember oh you know what i bet i just realized it you know what i bet falls under that uh other category was that twitch oh gross i bet it does i bet twitch and like (laughs) youtube no, YouTube wouldn't because YouTube would dwarf fucking everything. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I mean, if it's only like YouTube Red or YouTube TV, and YouTube Gaming, like if it's only premium services or something. Yeah, not just YouTube. Yeah, because <laughs> Jesus, oh my god, yeah, that that would not count. <laughs> but yeah, I bet actually bet that um that that's what that uh, that is lumped into that. So I'm curious, uh, you mentioned, what was the last movie you got to see in a theater? Oh, God. Why do I not remember? Because you said it was almost Minati, probably. It was around then. I thought I saw something that came out. I thought I saw a movie in 2020. Let me look it up real quick. Because kn- if it wasn't, it well, no, no, no. It would have been a Oscar movie of twenty the that twenty nineteen no the twenty twenty Oscars, um, 
So let me look up real quick. Uh, yeah, the I, I think I mentioned on the podcast before, and uh, I have definitely told you a couple times, but the last movie I got to see was Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. Which I got to see opening day. So it was like one in the afternoon on Valentine's Day in February. And I I left my job at lunch to go see Sonic the Hedgehog in theaters and then drove back for the dinner shift. And uh, <laughs> at the time, I, did, I didn't know that that was going to be the last movie I got to see for a year and a half, maybe even two years, if we're really unlucky. There's a uh, strong possibility that the last movie I saw in theaters was 1917. Uh, okay, that that would have been a good one to see in theaters. Yes, yes. I, I've actually I've been putting off going back and watching Dunkirk because I'm afraid that I'll enjoy it less without the theater experience. Because I heard, I mean, you know, I I love to rag on Chris Nolan on the podcast, but I heard that the sound design in Dunkirk was really good. Oh my god, it was amazing! It was so, phenomenal. There you go, Nolan. You get one win. <laughs> but I'm watching you. <laughs> watching your shit, Nolan. A war movie doesn't need dialogue, so so that that's fine. That's okay. You can you can drive the base up as much as you want. Yeah, exactly. There's so little dialogue in that movie; it's absurd. Uh, but we've so you you said you've watched Ma Rainey last night as well. Yeah. What did you think? Uh, you know, I thought it was really interesting that this season we have had two different movies focusing on black characters um, and their plight at different points in American history, Um, both essentially written as bottle episodes because both of them were based on plays. So I drew a lot of parallels between the production specifically of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and One Night in Miami. Um, Have you got a chance to see One Night in Miami? I have not yet. I'm, I'm hoping to watch that sometime this week. Okay, well, you know, since they're both based on plays, they they are very similar in the fact that the bulk of the movie is characters with strong dialogue playing off of each other in, like, two different rooms, basically. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was probably not my favorite movie of the year, uh, but an enjoyable watch regardless, with obviously strong performances by specifically Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis. Um, oh. It was not the movie I was expecting it to be. Same. Uh, but it was very enjoyable. And also, you know, I, I kind of love the aesthetic, specifically the aesthetic of that time in American history. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun to be in that moment with, uh, some fun-loving jazz musicians as they were. Yeah. Or blues, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I was, I'll admit, I was a little bit skeptical of all the hype behind uh, Chadwick Boseman being the favorite to win the Oscar, thinking a lot of it had to do with his unfortunate passing. But um, the scene that's going to win him that Oscar was so goddamn good. My God. Ike. Yeah. The oh, if although I will oh. say, the the lead up to that monologue felt very theater. Yes, where if it was if it was written specifically as a movie, the the build up would have been a lot different. 
Like, I would say it was almost awkward the way they transitioned into the monologue. Not to take away from the performance or the monologue itself, but when you know that it is written like a play, I feel like your understanding of the way the dialogue is written changes. True. Very true. Because, yeah, it does kind of just snap, and then it's like, wait, oh, okay, we're we're getting to the, we're getting to where we need to be. Like, there's <laughs> there's no slow buildup in how they deliver their lines to have it, like, irk them a certain way. It was just like, he delivered the line, oh, no, and then he just kind of snaps, and then goes into the monologue, and, but damn, like, that was one where, like, the first half of that movie was kind of like what happened to me with Mank, where I was kind of, like, not all in, but then every time Chadwick Boseman's delivering lines, I'm like, I'm getting sucked in, because the way he's delivering them isn't, it it just sucks you in to, you're like, you want to hear him act, like, play this character more, and I, I, I was surprised at how much I was like, wow. That was just an unbelievable performance. Yeah, for sure. I, I 100% agree. Uh, and, and that's not to say that I didn't enjoy that aspect of the movie. Um, I just think it is a different kind of enjoyment. You know, I, I respect how close I assume they stayed to the production of the play itself. Because again, there's two sets for the whole movie, essentially. Yeah. Like there's the room where the band rehearses and then there's the room where the band records and there's a little bit of in between there's a little bit of a difference at the very beginning of the movie but otherwise they're just in those two rooms um and that feels very true to the theater experience and i i'm glad and i respect that they didn't change that up a whole lot it felt like a good adaptation of a stage performance and you know pandemic aside uh, a theater is not something like a, a, a theater in a live action performance sense is not something I get to go to all that often, especially, you know, being outside of New York and not being able to go to Broadway, whatever I feel like I would love to see live theater more often. And I just don't get that chance. And I'm glad for something like this or one night in Miami. It felt like I was still getting that experience, but with the production value involved with a movie. Oh, yeah, I, it's. Have I I agree I agree completely with you. Have you when's the uh, so you'd seen One Night in Miami so you'd seen another one similar, relatively recently then, yeah. Because because for me it was very much to mirror what you were saying, going like wow yeah, I haven't just seen a movie in this style in a while. I'm trying to even think of other than musicals. Honestly, I can't even think of the last like movie that was done so much to basically just be a movie version of a play cuz i seem i feel like a lot of the times when they uh adapt plays they movieify the hell out of them but that's mostly cuz they're <laughs> musicals where they just play show play up stuff but yeah right like something like rent for instance yeah or even like uh lay miz like the, mm-hmm. the the recent lay miz version is just like oh my god they took yeah. it and then and- there's Sorry, uh, there, there's there's the other side of that as well, where uh, Hamilton on Disney Plus is just a recording of the stage performance, which I would say I like better because I would want the experience to be more pure. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with the other way either. True. The thing I have against Hamilton is that it's literally just songs the whole time. You don't like that? No. That's actually what I specifically like about it. Interesting. Uh, like Les Mis, uh, when I watched that, that was... Russell Crowe? 
Yes. Yeah, so that one. Um, I didn't like that even all of the between dialogue was still sung despite not being part of a song. It felt really awkward oh, to me. Oh, they did that? Yeah. Oh, I, see, I never saw Les Mis because it was like three hours. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> but Hamilton at least, uh, Hamilton is a ride the whole time where they just go from song to song and every song is a banger. So I, I really enjoy that aspect. I like my musicals like Phantom of the Opera where they sing at specific times and I just love Phantom of the Opera. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, I wanted to touch on Viola Davis's performance because... I put it in the Discord. I, that woman is a national goddamn treasure. Because I swear, <laughs> it's like an hour and 40 minute movie. And I swear she only has like 20 minutes of screen time. And she just owns the screen every second she's on it. It's insane how good she is. Which makes me really want to watch the rest of the best, uh, best actress movies. Because I think that race could go to just about anyone. I had heard there's a lot of momentum, to, like that Viola Davis has momentum and is a up there as a favorite. But I didn't know she was not on screen more. I thought she would have been had about as equal amount of time that Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman did. But it it's it's. It's a Chadwick Boseman movie that Viola Davis is in and kills it every time she's on it. If I'm, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. If, if we're if we're going specifically by screen time, it was definitely like this. This is Chadwick's film. But whenever I hear someone talk about the movie, uh, Viola Davis, it always always to me sounds like she's the lead. Like I I was right? expecting much more a Ma Rainey movie. Yes, exactly. I was the same. But I, 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 again, was pleasantly surprised by it. I'd highly recommend anyone watch it if for no other reason than it's the last. That's the thing that kind of got me, too, is it's the last performance we're going to see of Chadwick Boseman. And you see that and you go, God damn, I, we lost him way too soon because that dude, that dude can fucking act. Like, he was amazing. Yeah. He had so much more to give us. Yeah, it, it really sucks. But hell of a performance to go out on, oh, and yeah. I th- there's no doubt in my mind that uh, they will give him the Oscar. Yeah, I've heard that. I think the big picture was talking about it, where uh, uh, why can't I think of his name now that I have to say it? Uh, the father, Anthony Hopkins, and the father. <laughs> if it was a, if uh, if it was a normal year, I don't know if that's the right way to say it. If it was a different year. Uh, he'd be in contention because I've I've heard that his performance is really freaking good in that as well. But I think with just how well Chadwick Boseman was and with him having passed, I just I will be shocked if he doesn't win it. Yeah, and, and that's about the only thing motivating me to see the father. Yeah. Um because exactly, I, me too. I'm not even I'm not even that big of an Anthony Hopkins fan. Like I respect him as an actor. I know he's great. Um and I'm excited to see him have a really good performance, but I am not specifically motivated by Anthony Hopkins himself. You know? Yeah, I gotcha. Can you believe that he hasn't won an Oscar since Silence of the Lambs? And he's, I mean, he's been doing movies for like 40 years since then. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. Of course, then again, Anthony Hopkins 
Sometimes, man, sometimes I feel like he'll just be in anything. Like Transformers. <laughs> like Transformers. <laughs> I, man, ever since I saw Anthony Hopkins take a tank shell to the face and walk <laughs> away, man, I just can't. Oh, God, I'm so happy I never saw that movie. <laughs> I saw it in theater. I don't know why you did, and it just... Because, <sighs> man, like, you gotta blame Jackson or Nathan or, or Andre. I saw it with them. I think it was Jackson. I'm gonna blame Jackson. He wanted to go see Transformers at a fucking premium, let's order food and drink theater. Oh, God. So I paid, like, $30 to see The Last Night in theaters, <gasps> and you can ask any of them. I was... I was actively angry by the time those credits rolled. Like I wasn't just upset that I had wasted money to see a Transformers movie in theaters. I was I was pissed off at how that movie was written. Like oh, aside yeah. from Transformers 4 and 5 being aggressively boring movies for having giant CG robot fights, it was just fucking lazy and offensive. And man, if I'm going to the theater to watch Optimus Prime, you better fucking give my boy more than 15 minutes of screen. I'm sorry. I'm getting, I'm getting way off topic. <laughs> it's okay. I like it because I, I checked out of the Transformers franchise after the previous movie when they killed Ratchet. Spoiler. I don't care. <laughs> um, don't watch them. They're terrible. Um, Age of Extinction was like a three-hour movie, and they had Dinobots. Dinobots were in the trailer. They were on the poster. And the Dinobots were in the last 10 minutes of a three-hour movie! I, I I also hated that with the Dinobots, they basically just made them, like, idiots and slaves. Like, they didn't have minds of their own. And I'm like, you, they paid no homage to... They, they The entire Transformers movie line pays zero homage to the history and legacy of the franchise. And uh, seriously, you... you Give shit to Christopher Nolan. Michael Bay can fuck off for ruining any chance of us ever getting a good Transformers movie adaptation. Granted, the first movie is okay. It's okay. It was it was solid. I appreciate what he did. Too much metal fucking noises. But you know what? <laughs> you tried. And everything after that first one is straight trash. And you can't just kill Autobots like... It's fucking Game of Thrones. Because it's not. It's fucking Transformers. See, I have heard that Bumblebee is actually not bad, but I haven't seen it because I've been scorned too much. Well, that's not Michael Bay, right? Yeah, I do not believe so. Yeah, so I'd probably love it. But it is still the same Bumblebee from the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I man, I didn't think we were gonna be talking about Transformers. The, talking <laughs> about the movies just, just makes me so sad. <sighs> yeah, at least um, like I, I I couldn't have used it at that one because, like I said, it was a it was a more premium theater. But at least if I had seen Transformers Five on the AMC A list, then I wouldn't have been upset about a waste of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh God, they just. They, they they Game of Thrones Transformers. Like, anyone could die. Except really, like, Optimus Prime and Bumblebee. Like, yeah, cake, it wasn't cool. even good. Yeah. But, um, let's get back on track with some good movies. Um, <laughs> what else did I see recently that we could talk about? Oh, no. Why? Why am I gonna forget what else I've seen? Oh, have we talked about Nomadland yet? 
Uh, no, but I still haven't seen it. Oh. Okay. Well, <laughs> I so I, I I was at work last night and and I had uh, a bit of downtime, so I watched Ma Rainey and, and I watched Ma Rainey specifically because you had mentioned it was only an hour and a half, and I thought, okay, I can do an hour and a half, so I watched Ma Rainey. Um, and I wanted to ride that right into Nomadland. And I, I still have, like, almost no expectations about Nomadland, other than I have heard that it's kind of the front runner for Best Picture. So I have no yeah. idea if I'm going to like it. I have no idea if I'm going to think it's personally really, really good or not. But I got, like, two minutes into Nomadland, and I said, you know what? I don't want to watch this on my phone. I will wait. And I turned it off. I, I, once you watch it, well, it'll be after the Oscars. Spoiler, next week's episode is just going to be Oscars recap. Um, but I, I, I'm very interested to know what you think of it. Uh, I will not say anything as to not cloud any of your expectations of the movie. But just that, just know I, I am very interested to hear what you think um, and to see if it is drastically different than what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I know, I don't think you've seen this either, but please watch Sound of Metal. Oh my God, I love that movie. It, <laughs> I, it, I, I got done watching it and was like, wow, this is like a movie that was made specifically for me. Um, I can't really tell you exactly what about it that, was like, oh my god, it's just, there's, oh, I'm trying to think of a comparable movie and just the way the pacing of it is done, the story development is done, is very much like what I love about a movie. It like To an extent, there's nothing I don't think spectacular about it. It's pretty kind of, this is a movie and it's done very well and I love that. Like it's, it, it doesn't fuck around with fancy shit. Um, like main character has issue, has problem. Main character has to deal with problem. End of the movie is the way the character dealt with the problem. Good or bad, you decide. Kind of like uh, leave it up in the air, kind of thing. And I'm like, I, I, I just, I loved it so much. Um, which got me thinking. Have you, have you ever seen the movie Uh Safety Not Guaranteed? No, I've not. Okay, dang it. Cause that I got very. It's much more of that. Safety Not Guaranteed is a much more like indie film where I don't think it got a mainstream release. I ca- I saw it at the Keystone Arts Theater. So uh, for anyone listening, if you have a comparable, probably smaller arts theater that um, shows more Sundance type movies, uh, that's probably where you would have been able to see it. And I think it came out the summer of 2012 or 20 uh 2011 maybe might have been the summer of early 2000s summer it came out and it just had this movie gave me big vibes of that one where it's just kind of like yeah there's you know there's this plot where actually the plot of that one was a lot looser and weird um <laughs> but just the way the movie was shot and uh the character interactions the 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 color it was in, which is a weird thing for me to say, I think, unless you're like a super in the movies and you just can notice how the color palette is slightly different in certain ones. I don't know. It was just really good. It's so far. I've only 
Well, I have three best picture films left to see. The Father, Minari, and uh, Promising Young Woman. And Sound of Metal is the, my favorite movie that I've seen so far. Not saying it's the best, but it is by far my favorite. And okay. you should watch it. Yeah, I, you know, I really like movies. I think aside from what video a statement. Games, <laughs> uh, aside from video games, movies are my favorite form of media to consume. Um, and and I don't make enough of an effort to watch more movies. Um, as much as I'd like to go on about uh what I believe to be thoughtful criticisms of the medium. I I'm still pretty normie in my viewing habits. Like I I don't watch a lot of our tour stuff. I haven't seen a lot of foreign films. I'm going by the fucking academy to tell me what to watch that was good for the year. Um and and I want to change that. Uh but I need to make a specific effort. But also, you know, that all is to say, you know, I'm I'm kicking around this idea of an alternate podcast I want to start and uh Boy, could I just not have anybody more pretentious than me as a co-host? <laughs> okay. I'm glad you finally said it. <laughs> wow. No, I don't know. I don't mean that. <laughs> Hurtful, but fair. <laughs> Why? Because you want to do more of like, you want to try and do more of like super in-depth of like specific films, right? Well, I mean, it probably wouldn't be like super in-depth because I don't know what I'm talking about, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe I could jump on that one a little bit then, because I like to think I like to know what I'm talking about with movies, although I know I don't know anything. <laughs> as as we probably, one, that statement just made abundantly clear, and me going on a huge spiel about Sound of Metal, where I couldn't really say exactly what about it I liked. I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's all about practice. It's all about study true but also a lot of me watching movies like I, the case in point um on my struggle in articulating it is why i like the movie chef so much because i don't other than just like you know i like the pacing i like the story that's told i like the character interaction i like that it's about food none of that is more than like a fifth grade level analysis of a film. Um, but that's usually what I go to. And I don't know if that makes me a fucking petulant child or just super normie when it comes to analyzing movies. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, uh, probably a lot of people struggle with that. Um, but that's, that's okay. You don't need to prove to anyone else why you enjoy something. Um, as, as I've said several times on the show, it's fun to have big opinions. And I think personally, it's fun to be able to articulate a complicated opinion. So, you know, I, I will go off on people that like the Transformers movies, but it's always a joke to me. And, oh. and I try to make that abundantly clear where like, if you enjoy the movie, that's fine. I can't take that enjoyment from you. If you think objectively the movie is like a good movie, then we're going to have words. But I <laughs> I will never say that you can't enjoy something, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's oh, I 100% agree because, I mean, I can tangent to that. And I watch a lot of shitty anime, not because it's good, but because it's turn your brain off enjoyment. 
and I think there's a there's the same thing in movies, although because movies are more mainstream and more people see them, I think you're judged a lot more for that of like, well, if you're people like you, if you say like, wait, to take your example, for example, that is a terrible choice of words. <laughs> um, You know, we'll look at someone who's like, yeah, I think the Transformers movies are good or I really enjoy them and be like, oh, that's what you're into, huh? Where like in anime, I can go, yeah, I love isekai trash shows and since nobody watches anime more people are but not enough people watch anime for people to look at me and go what the fuck's wrong with you and even if they do the anime community is different to where it's like yeah we know we like trash so fuck you and your opinions i don't care so i guess what i'm trying to do is make a comparison to things that aren't even really comparable apples to oranges but nonetheless chris (laughs) you're right yeah although uh, because of what I said about Transformers 4 and 5, if somebody tells me that they enjoyed those movies, I do have to ask why. True. Because I don't think there was a lot about those movies that was enjoyable. There were some cool action scenes in the first couple with Shia LaBeouf still there. Oh, yeah. I'm talking specifically Age of Extinction and The Last Night. Oh, Wahlberg on? Wait, is he only in, two, in those two, or did they make I a think, trilogy? I think so, yeah. I... I haven't actually seen Transformers 2 and 3. I have only seen 1, 4, and 5. Oh, God. Well, 2 and 3 aren't great. Yeah, but that's why I I try not to speak on those movies. I know the first one is passable, and I just aggressively dislike 4 and 5. 2's pretty ass. (laughs) Revenge of the Fallen's pretty bad. (laughs) I can't even remember what the third one is, but they bring another Prime in, and that one was like, I think they kill Ironhide in that one. And you're just like, what the fuck? Oh, get back on Transform, Chris. Chris, we can't keep coming back to Transformers. It triggers me so. They've killed everyone. That's that's the joint hate. I, I can go off on Chris Nolan all I want, but we can both hate on Michael Bay and Transformers. Oh, I just, and you know, I wouldn't hate it nearly as much if they didn't, if he didn't think he was allowed to kill iconic characters. <laughs> He's not Michael Bay's not allowed to do that. <laughs> Who gave him the right? No one. That's why it pisses me <laughs> off. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I you know, I I do think one of the things I I miss the most about a theater experience, uh despite the fact that I want to be able to watch lesser known titles and get a more rounded movie education, uh seeing what's playing in the theater makes it easy to go see a movie and find a movie you want to watch. That's one of the only reasons I still stick with streaming services as they are, because it's essentially window shopping where they Mm. put things in front of me, whether or not it's directly advertised or for something specific, they, uh, they have a category for, but it shows me things and takes all the thinking away from having to hunt down something to watch. And the theater is a similar way. We're like, if one day I feel like I want to watch a movie, I can pull up amc.com, see what's playing at the theater, watch a few trailers, and decide what I want to watch if something isn't already, if I'm not already anticipating something. Um, when MoviePass was still a thing, before the A-list had even started, I was still in college. And MoviePass, if you'll remember, was, uh, I, I believe it was the same price as A-list. It was like $20 a month. Except instead of three movies a week at an AMC theater, 
MoviePass gave you a free movie every day at participating theaters, and almost every theater in the country was participating. So there was a stint in college where I went to a theater almost every day. And because of that, I churned through the mainstream movies pretty fast and started watching the lesser mainstream movies. And that was actually how, before I even knew it was going to be nominated for Best Picture, I saw three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri listed playing at a theater nearby. Never heard of it. Fired up a trailer. Thought that looks really good. And I drove to the theater and watched it completely on a whim. And I, I really miss being able to have that kind of experience. Interesting. It's, I, I, I think it's, we have dra- drastically different approaches to the cinema. <laughs> just because, well, I mean, just, just from like, you're, you're just, a, I just want to be able to go. I just want to get up. Like if I, if I have free time, I want to just go, be able to have the ability to just go see a movie where I'm very much, very meticulous in planning and like, Okay, I could leave work like an hour and a half early on Friday and catch this three thirty showing, uh, and there'll be no one in the theater, so it's just me. <laughs> that so that's kind of an interesting difference, I think, that we have and how we approach yeah. sometimes approach it. But one thing I know I miss, I miss with the theater experience. I think, and I don't know, I, I'm sure you've had you you I I can almost guarantee you've had experiences like this, but just like certain things that can happen or experiences that you have that you will never forget seeing X movie in the theaters. So like when, and I got, I got on this from, I think it was, I'm referencing the big picture a lot. It's a great movie <laughs> podcast. Um, I think it was one where they were talking about the arc light shutting down and just talking about uh some just, good memories they have of watching X movie and about like the audience of, or just experiences around going to see a, m- a certain movie at a certain time. And what I always have is going to see uh, the social network with my dad. And like my dad never actually goes to see movies. He does occasionally, but if it's not an Oscar movie, he doesn't go to the movies. And <laughs> so it's like the, probably the first movie he's seen all year. And we sit down, the movie starts, and then all of a sudden, uh, the theater loses power. And, you know, sound goes out, picture's out, and he just goes, are you fucking kidding me? Just sitting, <laughs> sitting there, not that loud, but just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, in the theater, I'm like, calm the fuck down, Jesus. Uh, and I, I mean, it was, it was fine, you know, they, everything came back on and we saw the movie, but... <laughs> You know, it's just stupid shit like that that I'm like, I'm never going to forget that experience, mostly because I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, wow. you know, shit like that is you can only experience going to a theater like you never know what you're going to get when you go. Yeah, actually, I, I, I have a similar story. Uh, when I was a lot younger, I couldn't tell you what age now, um, but I, I had an uncle that owned a few resorts outside of uh, a, a, a local theme park that was like uh, two-ish hours away from me. And we would drive down there in the summers and my dad would do maintenance work on the resorts. And in exchange, we'd get to stay there for free for a weekend. And I remember one weekend we were there, it was the release weekend for Shrek 2. Oh, hell yeah. And so we're, uh, you know, not quite the middle of nowhere because there was a popular attraction that brought a lot of tourism to the area but it felt like the sticks compared to where i live 
Um, so we we went to this theater that honestly, I wish I'd paid more attention because I feel like now it was in like a pretty cool part of town and looked like a more retro style theater where they still had a marquee outside. Um, but I remember because it was fucking storming when we went. So we're in line outside of the theater underneath an awning and it's just pouring rain. <laughs> and I'm there with my mom, my sister and a couple cousins. And and when we do finally get in there, uh, the power didn't go out, but the projector wasn't working immediately. So uh, I don't think they even bothered to run trailers, but the movie started and we had all of the audio, but none of the video for like the first 10 minutes of Shrek 2. Oh, no. Until they got it working and they restarted it. Um, but yeah, mostly I just remember that like even inside of the theater, we could still hear the rain pounding on the ceiling until the movie started. And I just, I just hope like experiences like that, it, or just experiences like that, is why I hope we don't lose all movie theaters, because it really suck to just not have future generations or even us to continue having experiences like that and memories like that. Like it's gonna, I'm getting real sentimental again. Goddamn, like that's two weeks in a row. But um, <laughs> it's there's something about going to the cinema. Well, I said cinema. <laughs> uh, and just experiencing a movie with friends by yourself. Also, if anyone's going to try and talk shit about seeing movies by yourself, what are you in high school? Um, no, It's normal. So to anyone who is thinking, who wants to go see more movies but doesn't want to go by themselves, just do it. No one will think you're weird, I promise. Um, yeah, the majority of the movies I've seen in the last five years, I've gone by myself. Yeah. Like, 95% of the movies I've seen, I've been alone. It's seriously, like, at least for me, it was one of those things of, oh, you don't want to be that lame-ass going to a movie by yourself. And then you go once and go, oh, this is great, actually. This is amazing. And then you'll, like, fuck going to see movies with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and as far as, like, you know, good movie stories where, like, everything went right and not the theater was breaking down... <laughs> Um, you know, even small things like these are all more recent experiences and I might forget them eventually, but, uh, watching Coco in theaters and like sitting there through the entire credits while I decompressed and wiped my tears while the rest of the theater left, uh, watching the greatest showman in the middle of winter and walking outside to snowfall, uh, beautiful Uh, watching, uh, goddamn, uh, the fish fucker movie, Guillermo del Toro. The Shape of what Water. Is, shape of Water, thank you. <laughs> Watching The Shape of Water at 11.30 at night in January with a glass of wine from the theater bar. I, God, I miss it so much. Yeah. But you know what? We're, we're right around the corner. Uh, it's looking promising for theaters. Um, Godzilla vs. Kong has done well at the box office. Uh, and we can only hope that it's enough momentum to keep theaters open and we can start going back again. Yeah, it'll, it'll happen soon. Uh, I mean, we both got our second shot of vaccine coming up and then a couple weeks after that we'll be not, you know, not a hundred percent protected, unfortunately, but enough to have the confidence to go out. Uh, you know, AMC in particular has opened most of its theaters and I'll probably reactivate my A-list and I'll get back in there wearing a mask and being responsible. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone has enjoyed all the movie talk this week, because guess what? You're getting more of it next week. (laughs) Yep. 
But then after that, we'll probably and, and maybe even some of them next week. Uh, not sure yet, but we'll we'll get back to TV because we got to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes, a hundred percent. It's doing things. Yeah, but until then, thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Obsession underscore pod. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. And if you're listening literally anywhere else, tell a friend. Uh, But until then, hopefully you enjoyed, and we will see you next week. Yeah, and before we go, I just got to let everybody know I'm about to go kill an ant that's been crawling on my wall (laughs) for the last, like, 20 minutes. So do it. R.I.P. Ant. All right, goodbye. (laughs) 